Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you are well. There are now just three and a bit weeks left to go in your fantasy footy season. And when I mean weeks, I mean rounds, because... It's probably about 10 days left in the year to go with this Fantasy Football Festival version two continuing on. We are recording this on a Friday afternoon, and maybe that's when you're listening to it as well. The next round of Fantasy Footy gets underway on your Saturday. It is not much of a gap between it because it is going to end tonight with Brisbane and Collingwood. Lockout lifts a couple of hours later, and then tomorrow evening, Saturday evening, is when we get locked back out again with the commencement of the round, meaning for AFL Fantasy coaches, your Pies and Tigers that play this round, you'll get their average. Everyone else is going to be just dead weight in your team. And I suppose, Kane, you know, let's talk about AFL Fantasy while we're there. Um, They've already had one league of finals, uh, a week of finals in AFL Fantasy. The other formats we're going to talk about in just a second but it's another interesting week of strategy, isn't it? Are there any are there any Tigers or Pies that caught your eye? Again, we haven't seen Collingwood play tonight just yet. That could be trade targets that we look at in AFL Fantasy this week? I think, MJ, you're probably going to look elsewhere. I think a lot of people were looking at Basher Hooley um, yeah. to come with a big score against the Dockers. Didn't work out like that. Um, I think Jaden Short's been a guy that a lot of people got and they'd be really happy with what he's done. Across the formats, even with Basher returning to the side, he's pretty much just been a constant premium back there in defence. Clearly, Dusty was underwhelming by his lofty standards. But again, are you really too concerned in an AFL fantasy score, you know, scoring format? His, his average is still pretty solid. Yeah, 73 um, on that format. Collingwood, again, Grundy, you're happy with that. We haven't seen him play yet, but he's already up above 90 in that format, which for some people is you know, already captaincy type of material. And... Um, you know, Taylor Adams is another one that people would be sort of happy to hold. Not too many guys, you know, maybe if Max Lynch comes out tonight and has an absolute huge one and we know that we can take that score going into yeah. next week, maybe he's a type of guy. But in all honesty, it seems unlikely, doesn't it, with Grundy and Cox in the team? You know, what yeah. do we really expect from a guy on the debut? I suppose, Rids, and maybe I'll ask you, it could be that potential because generating cash in all formats of the year is is a little bit tricky to navigate. And again, purely staying in the AFL fantasy format focus. For those that own Draper, it could be that option, Rids, I suppose, of make yourself that quick $150,000, hoping you're not going to have to need that bench cover because you're going to have Grundy's more than likely 90-plus score in the kitty. Is that the type of trade we should be looking to move? I think that's actually perfect. You get a Max Lynch, okay, coming in, pretty much a bottom price type of player. If you've got Draper at R3, bang, there's 200K straight away for you. Um, The reality, though, is I think Kane summed it up well. Like, There's not a hell of a lot to do there with the the teams that are on the buys there this week. So there is very, very easy... Thompson Dow was disappointing last game. So, I mean, he was, he's not even an option for a bench cover type scenario because he's just not averaging enough. So, yeah, it's really, really picks itself this week, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And But when we do move across to the other formats, 
and maybe it's more super coach. He's very, very popular, Dustin Martin, across all the formats. But he certainly hasn't had the most dominant fantasy football year that owners might have become accustomed to Dusty delivering. A few weeks ago, Kane, on the podcast, you said there was a potential move that coaches could have considered. It's more than probably a few weeks ago now. That at a premium price, Dusty, after that season-high score kind of was looking to roll out coaches could have moved him on picked up some value and then reallocated that cash is that still a trade owners could be looking to move this week in dream team and super coach moving on a dustin martin to a, a toby green who had a pretty good week last week as, as an example type is that the type of move we should be looking for in either of these two more limited trade formats i think that that time's gone mj unfortunately okay. for those coaches um the price back then was perfect because he had that absolute monster, especially in Supercoach where it was 180 plus and it was just about to roll out. And the reason I was encouraging that was not so much, you know, Dusty having a poor you know, game. I wouldn't have predicted what he did against Frio, mm. but with just how deep Richmond is and how well they do at managing their players, especially in this back half of the season, you know, there was a big chance there to take your cash and get some decent scoring. And there was some options at that time that were quite juicy as well. I think you, if you move Dusty on now, you might bring on 20 to 30 points because as Rids alluded to, no one's going to really be struggling yeah. to field a full side. And what I mean by that is probably even 20 players. So mm. if you're up trading a Dusty in a DT format and you're bringing a Toby Green, you know, maybe that 70 pushes out a 40 or 50 from one of your rookies elsewhere. And really, is 20 points enough to burn a trade? And even if yeah. the player you bring in outscores Dusty by... 50 over the remaining two rounds after that we're only talking 70 points yeah and again clearly if you nail the player and you know that person goes absolutely huge and you know things go your way maybe you can net enough points for it to be worth it but i just don't have the confidence in finding someone from a dusty that i have that you know view of yeah i think there's another thing as well there mj yeah dusty is playing the adelaide crows in a grand final Now, in a super coach format, he's the type of guy that could win you a grand final with a good performance. Yeah, it's true. Look, Ben Keyes is going to probably be, if anyone from the Crows midfield is going to be the one to try to go with him. But let's be fair. Dusty's near impossible to stop for the best of defensive midfielders like your DeBoers. I think to, to trade out any Tigers that you've got, knowing that they've got Adelaide in that final round of the year, whether your focus is leagues or rankings, I feel like you're just trying to get a bit too cute with it. So I also yeah. think that Dustin's going to play a lot of time up forward. Richmond's yeah. likely to dominate that game. He's yep. potentially going to kick four or five goals in that matchup. Yeah, throw a couple so, of score involvements for Supercoach and, and you're looking at a 130-plus score very easily. Very, very easily. If not, if he goes absolutely nuts like we've seen previously, he could be yeah. 170, 180. Who knows? Well, and, and these are the, the kind of moves that we do need to consider the fixture matchups while we look at it. Um, as we're heading to round 16 uh, with round 15 still underway, are there any matchups that really stand out to you? Because coaches, regardless of whether you've only got a handful of trades left in Dream Team or Supercoach or you're an AFL fantasy coach, you've got those three trades a week, use it or lose. Is there any of these matchups as I'll walk through the, the eight games we've got that just jump out to either of you of that's a prime matchup and there's a really strong trade target that we're going to get an instant reward. We've got North Melbourne and Port Adelaide, St Kilda taking on the Hawks, Geelong versus the Bombers, the Dogs taking on the Eagles, the Demons and the Dockers, 
Then the final three games of the round, the Crows taking on the Giants, the Swans and the Blues, and Brisbane and the Gold Coast Suns at the Gabba. Any matchups there that you're like, straight away, this is what you've got to take a note on, Kane, for you? Well, the one that jumps out straight off the top, MJ, is Luke McDonald versus Port. <laughs> the amount of ball that's going to be yeah. in that North Melbourne back half takes the kickouts. We know, and I don't know if it is sustainable, which is probably a chat for another podcast, but yeah. the way North Melbourne are playing at the moment and the amount of points they're conceding and his role back in that side, like, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, he, he'd reeled off three 150-plus scores in the old Dream Team scoring ways yeah. in a five-week period. Like, his ceiling is just out of control. And the flip side, you wouldn't mind, you know, Travis Boak. The season he's putting together, yeah. you know, just really solid. The midfield unit for North is super, super depleted. Um, and from there, there's, there's a lot of matchups that you'd have to fancy. Again, Jack Steele versus Hawthorne. There's no tagging going on yeah. at Hawthorne. You looked at what the midfield did. Matt Crouch in particular against Hawthorne just went wherever he wanted to. Again, Geelong and, Geelong and Essendon, you wouldn't probably feel super great, not from a tag perspective for a merit maybe, but Geelong's restrictiveness as a whole. On the flip side, yeah. Essendon's now lost McGrath as well, and they just sort of let everyone have free reign. So mm. I'm looking down and I can sort of fancy any of the matchups. The one that might be tricky although they do have a pension for pulling off these sort of upsets, is the Bulldogs versus West Coast. Yeah. Again, that seems like a tough game on paper. West Coast have, have had a really tough fixture in terms of the amount of games in a really short period of time. Luke Shuey out of that engine room. Tim Kelly's been off the boil by what he was, you know, in the middle part of the season when he was mm. really humming. So um, to pick a McRae would probably be tough in that game. And there's always yeah. that threat that maybe they'll throw a Hutchings in, but... Yeah, MJ, I'm, th- I'm seeing a lot of games where you feel really confident. We haven't even got to, you know, Melbourne who let up points for fun in the midfield against Frio. And obviously the one that jumps out to everyone is the Giants taking on the Crows. Yeah, it's true. What about for you, um, Rids? Is there anything that jumps out for you? Well, I reckon there's going to be a real discussion going around the place about which Adelaide Crow to jump on after their big week last week. And I reckon that's fraught with danger this week yeah, against... GWS. Yeah, I agree. Tell, tell me what why that is, because you're right, people do overreact or try to overcorrect based on, on a team or a couple of players within a team having one standout week. So I think there was question marks around who a Matt DeBoer would go to, okay, prior to last week. I actually think there's a Matt Crouch has almost played himself into a tag now. 100%. Because he's had a 30-subject possession game last week. They've had a win, and so on and so forth. I, Sloan's not playing well enough. Laird sort of played more accountable in the midfield. He seemed to match up against Tom Mitchell. I just, I just think he's played himself into a tag there because there's just no one else really there. you know. And then on top of that, people are going to go jump in Grundy down to, a, let's say, an O'Brien okay, yeah. for the um, Hawks. But really, the trade to make was last week yeah, was going to an O'Brien. Yeah. So I'm wondering whether that's going to might bite a few people. They go and do that and then they get caught out by a Grundy who can actually hurt you bad after a rest. So it's just one of those delicate games, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating round for us to kind of look at. That is for sure. Kane? I think Reeds makes a great point with Kraus just going forward. Is In the past, he's that sort of, you know, ball winner, gets a lot of the one-twos playing in tight, but he's actually 
taking the game on and getting more involved. And I know it's easy to generate score involvements when you finally play in the team's first win of the year. Yeah. But I thought some of the stats that they were showing in that game, you know, Matt Crouch in the past month is the number one pressure player in the competition. Yeah. And that's been his, the criticism on him is that defensive side of his game is lacking. Mm. But again, we saw it 14 tackles in the game against Geelong. And as Reid said, he's actually becoming a damaging player that would actually attract a tag. Mm. It's not going to go to Brad in his, you know, he just returned from injury. Yeah. Sloan's, you know, it's not his best Sloan. We know how good of a player he is. And, and the way Laird and Smith float around, it's not really the type of player that, you know, DeBoer's really attracted to going with. He loves yeah. that inside mid matchup where he can just, you know, hang on to you all game, honestly. The only saving grace may be that the Giants, you know, think they can just play their natural game and beat them. But I think after the scare they had against Carlton last night, Correct. they definitely would have to start with him having a defensive role. And maybe if they get a five, six plus goal league, you know, DeBoer gets freed up. But he's just so good at that job that why would you not use him? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. We, we do find ourselves at an interesting junction in the season. And we'll talk about um, this split of focus in a moment regarding whether you're going for your leagues or whether you're going for overall rankings, because certainly that does play an impact on the type of trade moves you should be looking at. But, but across the formats, there's been some underwhelming scores over the past couple of weeks from some really highly touted players. Stephen Cornelio is probably the one that's getting the most um, knocks might be not even the fair word, but probably getting the most attention from fantasy coaches that might feel like they've got a little bit of room to wiggle with their trades. Is it the type of week? I know he comes up against Adelaide. We all thought the Hawks should dominate the Crows midfield. It wasn't the case for just this one game, but is someone like a Stephen Cornelia Doherty's not certainly delivered the big scores that we'd hoped. We've already talked a little bit about Dusty, if you find yourself with this underperforming premium, maybe Kane, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Is that too much of a luxury trade given for most coaches? They're only just now getting to that completed team. I think it is. It, it smells way too much, MJ, to me. We cast our minds back a month when Bailey Smith was this type of player that everyone wanted out of their team. And what did he have that week? He had a matchup against the Crows and albeit they are improved from that Bulldogs game. That was one of their you know, most disappointing games of the year for the Crows. But he is the captain. I haven't seen any injury per se in the game or heard anything about him struggling with injury. He's playing more midfield minutes than he has for a lot of the season when he was stationed forward. I think he just had a really bad game. I think yeah. he just had a really bad game. And he's had a disappointing season. And again, we got him at a discount. We've got to remember, he, he had a horrible injury against Richmond that ended his day early on zero points. Yeah. We got some discount there, but he hasn't returned to those you know, 110 heights of previous years. Um, yeah, I think that's a really luxury trade to be making. And I'd be really curious as to who those coaches would be targeting that move on yeah. at Cornelia. I'd be, I'd be fascinated to see who they have so much confidence in at the value, you know, to pull that type of move off. I think there'd be someone else in my team. Again, on the flip side, if you look at a Matt Crouch, if he's yeah. your target and you're rolling into a DeBoer, oh, boy. again, like you're thinking about what DeBoer's got coming home. If I'm bringing anyone, I'm not bringing in Jack Steele. He's got him in the last round. Yeah. I'm going to find Clayton it hard Oliver. to bring in a Clayton Oliver. Yeah. So I'd just be really curious to see where are you going to find what I think has to be a hundred point gain at this point of the season almost with, you know, we know the carnage that can happen in the remaining few rounds. I'd just be curious what your trade target is because I think you've got to find someone better than Canelio as disappointing as he's been. Yeah. No, I think and that's I think fair. 
And MJ, just with um, Matt Crouch as well, mm. let's not forget he's also got Carlton directly after the yeah. GWS, who absolutely are they're, they're causing issues with scoring points against them. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got that friendly matchup in the grand final. I, like, I'm with a uh, little bit with Kane here. Like, I mean, you can do a sideways trade going into the last match if you make the grand final. Sure. And But you've got to make the grand final yeah. first. And doing that sideways trade now with GWS and Carlton as your next two, I'm, I'm not feeling really confident about that. No, they're running with two of the, the best... Uh, uh, accountable def- defensive midfielders. Whether you want to choose the Tam Tagger or not, I really couldn't give two stuffs about. But make no mistakes about it. Kerno's role has redefined back over this past five or six weeks where he's now keeping an eye on that. So if you want to know who he's got coming up over the final three rounds of the year, Sydney, so probably Luke Parker. JPK is always a candidate, but probably Luke Parker, you would presume. Then it is that Matt Crouch likely update. And then the final round, Maybe some slight cause for concern here, Kane. Maybe slum, some for coaches, but a, a Lockie Neal matchup in the, the final round. Even some tonight are a little bit hesitant to want to put the captaincy on Lockie Neal, given there's a likely Greenwood tag that could come from. So I've just, you know, double negated myself with that comment. Look at me learning to speak for a living, could and likely. But that might be some cause for concern for some that might want to look to still try to get Neal into their team. Yeah, well, that's always the risk, isn't it? Again, if you've got someone who can really clamp someone down, like a DeBoer, like a Kerno, mm. we're talking about, well, Neil's got four games because we haven't seen him play yeah. tonight yet. But if you get that one bad score, if you get that 50 in it with three games to go, it's really hard to be in the top handful of players. And on the flip side, you can find guys that just absolutely smack it out of the park. Again, if someone brought Blake Akers in yeah. on the weekend... And you got that 108 in there now. He only needs to go in the 60s to already make that a great pick. Like, you've done your dash. Yeah. So, I think that's where people become, you know, you can take those big swings. And, and what Rid said is, is so important for league coaches is if you keep your powder dry enough, you can avoid those type of matchups where those stinkers are. And often in grand finals in leagues, it's more about avoiding the stinker yeah. than it is trying to find the massive 150-plus score. And, Again, if you are a person with Jack Steele in a league final and you've got a trade up your sleeve, mm-hmm. you can take your pick at a really juicy matchup, look at the form, you know, see what the team sheets are delivering yeah. and move a steal on. And maybe you do get 60, 70 points there in the most important game of the year because, again, you've got to differentiate. What are you, what are you trying to achieve? Obviously, yeah. overall points. You take any points you can get. But I'd rather have, if I'm going for league, a 60-point better game in the grand final than I would an extra 100 points over the last three weeks. So I think that's where you've really got to establish what your focus is. And it is really hard because we saw people this week, MJ, and we spoke about it on the last podcast, was how do you trade in this period? Because if you're league-focused in round 15, you almost just had to keep your powder dry, not worry, prepare yourself. You know, We spoke about just trading the injured guys that won't be there, but give yourself the most information because this condensed fixture is doing all sorts of things to player management, yeah. And as the one we speak, keep speaking about, it's not the restings in terms of missing the game. In-game. It's the in-game rest. Oh, Nick yeah. Natanui was the one on the weekend in Supercoach. So a lot of coaches were you know, really hurt by it. It looked like a sensational matchup. Yeah. But it just didn't pan out that way. Yeah, it's really true. And, and so, Rids, for someone that is got a, a league focus, for AFL fantasy coaches, you're already 
either about to or at time of listening have just completed your first week of finals. So you've either just got knocked out with the elimination or it's the qualifying finals. For every other format, um, your league finals starts this week. Is it Rids just a, a simple case of depending on the style of final you're playing for, whether you're qualifying or eliminating, does that then dictate the style of aggression or trade you should be going for? I, I really do think it um, does depend on that. Now, but again, I just want to highlight something else. This just shows how good a season AFL Fantasy have had with their decision-making mm. is there's been no buy before the first final. They've actually yeah. got that momentum building. They've got people already actively invested in those finals. Coming off the other formats, you've had this buy for round 15. Yeah. So some people may or may not be interested coming off a, well, what what are we looking at, Twelve to 1,500 score yeah, in Dream some, Team? Like, yeah. I mean, that doesn't really build the momentum going into the final. So a lot of people might actually start making these trades, trying to catch up points and actually hurt yeah. their league focus moving forward. So... But this week coming up, okay, it's all dependent now. So you might be lucky enough to be sitting in a prelim final and just ready to go in round 17, or you might be actually going into a cutthroat. And so you have to make a trade now, as I said before, to actually make the grand final. This might be a league of your mates where you get bragging rights for the better part of the next six months. (laughs) You want to be using this time to maximise those points. and. You have to pull the trigger. Any yep. gut feel on this, you have to pull the trigger. Unfortunately, we got guys playing three, four games in a matter of 10, 15 days. Yeah, like, it's just not conducive to having massive scoring, but no regrets here. You have to have a crack, you know? I agree. And look, these condensed fixtures that we're going to keep seeing teams that are in a genuine finals contention that have a luxury to do so we are going to see in-game restings which you've alluded to Kane but we are just going to see flat out management um, of players and our superstars and so we're going to need to keep some of these powder dried or trades up our sleeve because I I would not be shocked at all if, if in round 17 or 18 a Patrick Dangerfield type now he's just an example I'm not saying he's going to get it but a, a star of their team that they want cherry ripe for finals, barring a disaster, they're top four bound. So they're, they're very secure in that as opposed to a GWS who are fighting for survival. So it's different courses for courses. But Kane, it wouldn't shock me at all to see a Port Adelaide rest a boat at some point in this back half of this final three games or the danger fields. You know, if, if Brisbane, it, it wouldn't even shock me if Lockie Neal got a week off here or there. Like they just... These players don't care, and clubs don't care about fantasy footy. If their final spot is secure in the ladder, there's like stuff that we want you ripe and ready. Well, MJ, that's and that's one fact that I think is you know a lot of thought, obviously. But the other one that always jumps to my mind now is it's it's Friday. We're about to end round fifteen. Yeah. In a week and a half, we'll have ended round seventeen. Yeah. This is how close the fixture is. You cop a knock, Josh Kelly, with the concussion. Yep. He was automatically ruled out for round 15. Yeah. Again, we haven't even heard if he's going to be right for round 16, 16 because Port Adelaide, they had a bye between round 14 and 16. They had 15 mm. bye. They're playing off a seven-day break. Yeah. North Melbourne had the bye. They're playing off a six-day break. Yeah. You cop a corky that's bad and doesn't pull up well. It's a normal week, We haven't yeah. even put into it. You know, you're missing a game 
you're missing a game and a half. You haven't mm. even factored in, you know, maybe let's put another player out on the field that we haven't seen because they're not 100%. Yeah. And then we get into all the finals teams and, and managing that. And obviously that's sort of what West Coast had to deal with with Shuey is they're pushing for this top four finish, mm. pushing too hard and the hamstrings have gone again. Yeah. So again, all these factors, you know, we've spoken about it. Luck's never been at a higher point. It's yeah. never been more important to have luck on your side. But you do give yourself a really good chance, especially in leagues, because if you keep those trades, yeah. and as Ridge mentioned, if, you're, if you've won your prelim yeah. and you've got this next week off as well, yeah. and you can go in with you know, trades up your sleeve, that's where you get those massive swings and, and give yourself the best chance. But yeah, the, this fixture, players haven't played like this since their junior days when they were playing national championships with you know, three games in, in 10 days. Like, yeah. At AFL level, you know, people are blowing up off a five-day break. Yeah, like we're talking totally. about, you know, incredible. And obviously, the, the game time's come down. But as we've talked about in the past, the best players are still getting a really good, healthy dose of minutes. Of game time. You know, time on ground. So, it's, it's a crazy period, MJ, where this carnage can happen. It can probably happen quick. I think yeah. it does help. There's a buy between round 18 and the finals. True. That obviously helps a little bit. But as I said, you get one bad knock and it's a corky and you can't recover in time. Yeah. Especially with the flying same day travel as well. That, for a lot of injuries, that's just a no-go. So, yeah. um, again, keeping a trade up your sleeve will always be handy. Again, there will always be a season where there is no carnage and we sit on these trades and, you don't and we know wish that. we acted yeah. earlier, but um, you just never know, do you? It's very, very true. Go, Ritz. And going into this period of time, who would have predicted that Nick Natanui would have played week after week after yeah. week after week? So true. Who would have predicted that a lot of these guys actually would have kept going and going and going, you know? Yeah. Yet, we just don't know what's going to happen, do we? So well, it's just best guess. The reality yeah. is, anyone could just, like, I mean, you could bump your finger in the car door on the way to the <laughs> training and you could be done for a week here. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. And if you're cemented in that top four position, okay, in the ladder, yeah. so there's no – why risk it? Why – you might as well give the player an extra a week, week and a half off yeah. to actually get right for the first final that comes in. So we're going to be really in a bit of pain over the next couple of weeks, I feel. And the reverse could even happen for us as teams start to find themselves out of finals contention. The, the team and the player that immediately comes to mind for me is is a Max Gorn from Melbourne. Unfortunately for them, they've put themselves under the acid to, to really make the finals. There is absolutely a world where their big captain, who's certainly battled through the year with some injuries, if that finals position's gone why risk a guy that's clearly not quite at his best in terms of peak fitness? And I think, Kane, that's the other side of it too, isn't it? As clubs fall out of contention, they go, let's put our stars away for another time. Yeah, well, especially one that at one point had three injuries at the same time in his shoulder, <laughs> back in the knee. So um, for me, he's the ultimate risk-reward player in the run home. Yeah. Because there is no one at the moment, and again, Neil is certainly up there because he's having a phenomenal season, but I feel like, a lot of people have him. You know, if you're in mm. this point of the season, you're playing, there's very few people that don't have him. The tricky part with Gorn was, again, like what we spoke about about six weeks ago, he was battling injury, he was at peak price, and he was about to miss games. He'd been confirmed to miss a game. When we yeah. spoke about, you know, moving him on to a Nick Nat or a, or a Goldstein or something like that as he recovered. 
the time away, they were really patient. And there was yeah. some coaches that were patient, you know, using an Oscar McInerney, using Draper. a Sam Draper. Yeah. And now they've got this weapon in their team that's a 100 dream team type of player and a 150 super coach, coach type of player. And they're almost a unique. Yeah. And coaches now are in the position where they're realizing it's near impossible to take a Sam Draper up to a Max Gorn unless you planned your whole week yeah. around it. You know, you're talking about taking a premium down to a sub premium, a premium down to a sub premium. Yeah. And you've got to just find every penny you can get because we're talking about you know, 350K in Supercoach to get this guy in. Yeah. But again, in the run home, he is a unique for some people. And you put the captaincy on that and we've shown his potential. You know, it's, it's out of this world and it can win you league matchups and, and fire you up the overall ranks. As you mentioned, though, the flip side is if Melbourne, you know, are mathematically out of the race, yeah. do you just put his season on hold? That, and Because he, he has got probably, along with O'Brien, the best ruck run. It's Fremantle. It's GWS and then it's Essendon. If you get well, that's Max extraordinary, Gorn, isn't it, MJ? That is huge. Because we're it's... we're talking about a guy that is having the greatest Supercoach season we've ever seen in terms yeah. of average, yeah. and like that is of all time. And we know that in Supercoach, this condensed fixture has made this more possible. I don't think yeah. we can compare it to the Ablett seasons no, in the past, no. or even it's that Jonathan Brown famous stretch where he was, you know, unbelievable. It's clearly a different game, especially in that format with the way points have been allocated. Totally. But we have to respect that he can do that. And like you mentioned, that is one of the all-time ruck runs. Yeah. Like that is unbelievable. That's almost how you draw it up. You probably put a Bulldogs in there. Yeah. But other than that, we've got this guy that's delivered, you know, for a stretch. He was a 155 guy for two months. Yeah. And if this is a guy you don't have, I can see where people go, I'm tossing up between... Lockie Neal, or even if we drop down a category below that, I'm tossing up between the Zach Merritts yeah. or the Dylan Shields and that lower brand. I'm just going to go down to a JPK. Yeah. And I'm just going to, at least I know I can get the Draper to Gorn. Yeah. You know? And that's where we find, I think, people are taking these, these punts. Yeah. And yeah, if you've, got, if you've got trades, I think he is the guy to get if you can. Just don't be afraid that you might have to use another one in a week and a half <laughs> to replace him. Yeah, that's, that's the, the big, big thing about that is what about next year? Mm. How do you start Max Gorn in Supercoach next year at that likely price tag? It's, it's so difficult. Next year, there's two big question marks. Um, and we'll get to, one is what do AFL Fantasy and Dream Team do with how they price them? Do they price them at the times 1.25 of the average? Um, which is that minus percentage, or and then the other part is super coach. Man, Max Gorn, Lockie Neal, like these guys are, are 10, 15, 20 points average higher than what they've ever done. How are you going to be able to afford all of these guys heading into 2021, Kane? Well, I have been doing a little bit of research into this space for some future CP type of content, but I'll, I'll reveal some of the numbers all I've right, found because I've found it to be fascinating. If we're talking about 120 plus averaging players, last year we had four guys average in Supercoach. Plus the in Supercoach year before, yeah. we had four guys 120 plus. Yeah. Before that we had two. Year before that we had one. Year before that we had three. So around three typically seems to be you know where we sort of get to. Currently, at this point in time, we have. Nine guys cool. averaging 120 plus. Again, one of those is Jeremy Howe. 
We have one, we have eight guys that we take him out going 120 plus over that stretch. And there's some elite players in this stretch. This is peak danger field. Wow. This is dusty at his absolute best. This is when Goldstein was the number one player in the comp. We never got more than four. Yeah. So to have eight currently at this point in the season tells you something about the way that scoring's going in that format, the way points are getting allocated to the big dogs. And even if we jump down to the 110 bracket, yeah. last year we had 13 players go 110. Year before that, we had 10, 10, 11, 16. So that's about you know, that sort of range. Yeah, Currently, yeah. we've got 20 guys averaging 110 plus. It's double the so best. So clearly, we're going to have to adjust. Again, there's been some talk about going back to full 20-minute quarters. There's been yeah. some talk of keeping it at 16, splitting the difference with 18. But whatever happens, especially in that game of Supercoach where we know it's a consistent 3,300-point mm. pie every week, we've seen that the big dogs Take have it. taken a bigger portion of that pie. Again, Patrick Dangerfield, his record year, and we know how dominant he was in those years, was 134. Yeah. We've got Max Gorn and Lockie Neal in the 140 range. Yeah, it's nuts. So I think, as Ridge said, how are you going to manage... The salary cap, because it will be the same, because the total points are unchanged. Mm. Like to think that you can afford multiple of those guys, you're absolutely kidding yourself. It's true. And I'm going to throw something else there as well, MJ. Oh, no. Don't forget, Todd Goldstein has had two disappointing games, one after the other. So he would have been in that 120 average category. Yeah, true. And Josh Kelly has had an interrupted game in that. Yeah. So he would have been likely to be pushing up into that as well. So it's like, oh my goodness gracious me, you know? So how can you afford to start someone averaging 140 to 150 points? If they have a couple of big rounds, they're going close to 150. It's You can't do it. It's getting to that point. And look, we'll spend a lot more time, you know, over the months of um, November, December, January, our Patreons. We'll get some early and some exclusive extra content we'll get to you. But, and we'll spend a lot of time next year. But how we structure our sides into 2021 is it's going to be really, really difficult to have multiple of these big week in, week out captaincy option style of guys without blowing the bank and then i think the compounded issue on that um is the fact that this year in 2020 most teams have used more first year players or debutants than they probably ideally would have given to these condensed fixtures so the problem's even further enhanced because now you've possibly got less options to select from. So MJ, the funniest thing about this is at the start of the season, if we were going to be preemptive and try and predict which cash cow was going to hit the mark, the one guy in the top two or three options in Will Gould would have been high on our lists and yet hasn't featured at once. Yeah, that's true. I suppose that's one positive for us, isn't it? That we haven't seen Gould. Yeah, just wait till the um, horse, though. He'll he'll no doubt debut him in the next week. It'll be round 18. For 2021. 
It'll be something that we do. There will be an article to the land at coachespanel.tv uh, very, very early in the 2021 preseason uh, or very, very late in the 2020 year, depending on how you want to choose to view it, where we'll make sure we look at who are the potential cash cows that have already been on the AFL list that will be basement price for us next year that didn't get a game this year. Gould is certainly one of those guys. In uh, McGuinness as well, MJ. Yeah, albeit he's probably going to get a game in the next few weeks now with the way the Hawks... Yeah. A tracking, unfortunately. Yeah. We, we know, and there'll be some really good kids that get picked up in the draft with, with North Melbourne, Adelaide, Hawthorne, all being teams that are needing to rejuvenate and having relatively high draft selections. Brody Kemp as well, MJ, will be Kemp. healthy for the Blues. Yeah. Like, again, he's more of a key position guy, but, you know, after an ACL. There's always someone, isn't there? There'll be There's a, always someone that emerges. There, there'll be a mature age I think the other thing in the AFL and the Dream Team um, formats will be a lot of people will be pretty much underpriced anyway going yeah. off this season. Well, it'll be interesting. We know Supercoach with the limited um, or the, the definitive number of points available on the field, their, their pricing is fairly predictable. How AFL Fantasy and Dream Team price, do they do it with the mathematical fantasy booking of uh, let's add a percentage allocation to what it might have been or do they just go look let's just price them at what they are and, and maybe not offer a discount to an injured player uh, across the board uh, let's maybe not offer a discount for missing a certain amount of games like they've got options available their hands aren't tied but it is going to be interesting to see what they do I think just because we're all on the same even platform to start with uh, <sighs> We're just going to have to adjust, aren't we? No matter yeah. what the decision, the outcome is, and it's all going to be different from format to format, we're just going to have to adjust and we're all on the same page and we're just going to move forward. So there's going to be a chance here where there's a guy that we consider burnt us this year is actually going to be a very feasible starting guy next year. There's a few of those around there, isn't there? There's a few, MJ, yes. I think Patrick Cripps, for one, especially in Supercoach, we spoke about how all the best players this season have really just absorbed other people's points in their yeah. own team and, and taken their average to new levels. This is a guy in Patrick Cripps that's gone the other way. Mm. And we did flag in another podcast about, you know, what would future Carlson look like? He's carried such a weight of the team for such a long time. Yeah, and they definitely, I think, in my mind, have improved. Yes, they've definitely improved under David Teague. Are they a top eight team yet? No, but they're definitely getting support from more players. I think Will Setterfield's been one of the few guys yeah. on that team that you can say has really improved. I think Weedering as well has gone from a good player to a very good player. Yeah, but we've seen Patrick Cripps, his scoring's just gone completely the other way. Like I think if he delivered his you know one nineteen type of season this year. I'd say he's been pushing 130. That's just yeah. how good he was in years past. But, you know, he's around 100. Which, when you compare him and you said you're going to get Patrick Cripps averaging 40 points less than a Lockie Neal, and we're talking about a situation where we're strapped for cash. Again, I think he's a guy that, as we build through the preseason, he's going to be a hugely popular name. Yeah, I think there's a and heap... I think, um... I think it's going to really raise that question, isn't it? I'm getting used to having this, MJ, where I'm talking over the top of people already talking, <laughs> which I do at the best of times. <laughs> but the, 
the thing is, I wonder if there is that question around just how bad is he carrying an injury at this point in time? Yeah. And is he likely to be rested in the next couple of rounds? Like, Carlton's no longer a real option for finals football this year. What are they benefiting out of playing the guy if he's really, really sore? Well, Carlton, as you say, they're, they're four points out of that first bunch that are pushing for the top four, and, and that is predominantly led by Melbourne um, and the Western Bulldogs. Then there's another four points beyond that gap to be GWS and St Kilda. And then there's a, a bit more of a jump to Collingwood. And then there's the really big jump to those top five secure sides. And, and they're going to be the ones that make up the top four in whatever order it chooses to be. A, a loss this week for Carlton, which, which wouldn't shock me at all to Sydney given how well they played this week that that year is done for finals and we talked about Gorn Cripps is another one of those players that could just go look we've had a great crack but no that, that's his year done it's going to be an interesting one that is for yeah sure. I think the other ones MJ that jump out to me is they were so good for us last year Josh Dunkley yep Tim Taranto, especially yes. in the Dream Team format, Taranto is definitely a guy that we know sort of bats. Whatever his DT is, is typically what his super coach is. You know, yeah. Dunkley last year showed that when he was red hot, you know, he was red hot across both and was, you yeah. know, 120 plus DT, 130 in super coach. Uh, but those guys have been super under though. We know Josh Dunkley's playing this hybrid ruck rover, ruck roll. Uh, the engine room of the dogs is, is loaded. Yeah. It's also completely... Um, random to the outside every single week. Josh Dunkley, we know against the Cats, he was about as red hot as a player's been this year in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden he's rucking more, a bit more on the outside, ball doesn't roll his way. And um, he looks like a shell of himself. And Taranto, we know the Giants again are loaded, but he had that shoulder injury as well. These are two guys that he did too. And that's the mix that they're trying to, they're trying to juggle with all their stars is that honestly, they're probably all best as inside inside bulls but yeah Taranto is a guy like Canelio like Green that have dual flexibility because they can go forward and kick a goal and um, Dunkley and Taranto you know they were guys that I think most people had locked in for being yeah. top eight mids especially in dream team so to get them off the back of underwhelming seasons True. especially when they both can be explained away we know Dunkley syndesmosis isn't an injury you can come back from you are it takes a long time to get long back time. to full health and you know Andrew McGrath is going through that right now, yeah. albeit he's got a full preseason to recover. But um, I think those are two guys that when you know there's people that are in their age bracket yeah. um, and show that type of potential, if you get them at any type of discount, you've always got to be looking at them. Yeah, no, that's fair. And Kane and I were talking about this in the group chat earlier. There's really bad luck at the moment with yeah. being caught on the bench. Yeah. Guys are finding oh, themselves huge. on the bench. And 15 minutes in a quarter. Yeah, it's true. All it yeah. takes... And that's like, the thing, isn't it, MJ? It no, swings God. the score so massively. Like, yeah. As you said, if you watch a game, and we know as fantasy coaches how closely we watch our players, yeah. and you realise for a while, the ball's been on the far side of the ground. Especially at the Gabba, it's always really interesting because the boundary side for the cameras is on the one side, but the actual interchange on the far side. So you can actually see who's standing on the bench mm. waiting to come on. And there's yeah. nothing more frustrating when you realise they've played out the boundary side. They haven't gone to the interchange side for 10 minutes. Yeah. And a Lockie Neal's on the bench. Yeah. Or one of your players that you're waiting, waiting for the scores to tick over. Yeah. And it's just the, the nature of play. And in these reduced quarters, a lot of the time it's not worth 
you know, they just say, oh, there's only a minute left in the quarter. We'll save the interchange for the next one. Yeah. And yeah, you've had a, you've had a period of 12, 15 minutes where no points are ticking over at all. And you get these, these big swings in score for sure. Yeah, it's very, very true. Uh, we got some Patreon questions we want to get to before we wrap up the episode. But Rids, a, a quick one from me. Uh, for coaches that are playing an overall rankings game, regardless of the format right now, um, coaches, panel fans and followers will be very uh, in the dream team format. We'll have seen a, a familiar name at the top of the rankings charts for the last couple of weeks. You find yourself hundreds of points clear at this stage of the season as the number one leader. The question so much isn't obviously around that. It's sort of well done on a great year, mate. But if you were to chase someone that is in the lead, how hard do you need to go right now? Vic, if you are going for rankings and going for the highest possible ranking, as someone that's sitting in the leader's chair, what's the mindset that you're likely to have? And what should I, as a potentially chasing coach, be looking to do? Okay, so from my perspective at the moment, I'm just trying to play the percentages right, okay. okay? So I am not taking risky moves. I'm letting other people take the risks make at them, this make point them in time. Yeah. To a degree, yes. So if I'm chasing someone, and again, you know this, I've been chasing for years now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been chasing for 20-something years. So it's nice to be in the other shoe for a change. But if you're in the other shoe and you're chasing, that's where you've got to get really tricky. You, yeah. As soon as a Lockie Neal gets to a buy round with four rounds to go afterwards, mm. you take the risk. You've got to trade him to something else that has a friendly matchup, bank a few points. Max Gorn's perfect for this. Yeah. Like you might get uh, McGoldstein, who was absolutely putrid in the last two games before mm -hmm. the buy round, and you might have a few extra coin. You might look at moving a Goldstein to a Gorn. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you are doing things at high, high risk. Yeah. I think me and you said this for the last, better part of the last decade. Yeah. A hundred points a week is pretty much maximum to make up, yeah. you know, to chase over the course of a normal season. So what does that mean now? Well, yeah. is it 80, is it 120? Who would know? But time will tell. But the reality is it's a bloody, bloody hard <laughs> to catch those points up, you know, later yeah. in the season. You've got limited trade, you've got this, you've got that, you've got... You've got buy rounds, Rids, as well. Now yeah. you've only got... You've taken away four less variables, you know, when you're chasing in your favour. Yeah, you and, don't have 22 yeah. players. And especially yeah. with a rolling lockout, you know, for someone like in Rids' position, he's got two chances every week to make sure he doesn't have a, a captain that's knocked out. Because yeah. really, if you're chasing, that's the type of wild swing. You, you need Rids to put a Lockie Neal as a captain. He gets knocked out on two. Yeah. And your captain goes, like, when you've got that vice captain and he can see, you know, an 80-plus score this year in DT, Yeah, what are you, you, you going to catch him up 30 points if you nail yeah, it? Again, right. if you take him on and you get a Whitfield last night, yeah, you know, now you're 30 points again. And I think um, there are sometimes, especially in that final round, last year the guy that jumps to mind that won people leagues was, was Jeremy Cameron. Yeah. We knew he was chasing the Coleman medal. It was a super juicy matchup. Yeah. And he kicked, what did he kick, 10 goals in that final round. Like We've that, seen yeah. way back Nick Rewalt. Yeah, that know, 200. Boards that have this super volatility. You know, maybe this year it's a Tom Lynch or a Jack Rewalt in a super coach format. 
yeah, got against the Crows. Crows yeah. Maybe they fill their boots and have an absolutely huge score, but um, it's not easy to do, especially at this point of the season. Again, as we said, trades are really restricted this year, especially in a DT format. So, you know, are you really going to be pushing it this week to try to catch up only to have no trades left? Like, yeah, it's a really tricky one and it's easy to overplay your hand and just put yourself in a worse position. Yes, certainly. The other thing that's wrong, though, hmm. is DT only gave you three additional trades after the buy rounds were known. And you were shallow probably on trades anyway. You were already shallow. You had, it was a luck factor to get to the buys with the right players to try and minimise the damage through the buys. Yep. And as we're seeing this week, round 15 is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, okay? for DT it's been difficult. Well, we're only looking at 1,400, 1,500 scores. Like, and the reality cool. is, Trump had 100 points in that week. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's impossible. Like, you have to get really, really, really lucky. Yeah, and, and a lot but of the premiums this week haven't popped, though. So, yeah. Having said that, though, it's really, really weird because I look at Supercoach and I look at Dream Team, they're giving you the option to use three trades a week yeah. through the buys counter that risk, but they're only giving you three extra trades to actually do it. So it's almost impossible to chase and you've got to get, you know, it's got to be one in a hundred shot to a degree to yeah. actually land the correct guy at that point in time that doesn't have the extra time on the bench through the quarter, that doesn't get managed through the games, that has something to play for and he doesn't get a knock from yeah. week to week. It's 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 impossible to do. You know what I mean? It's it's very very tricky to do. To if you find yourself in a in a leading position in any of the formats, it's certainly tighter up at the top of AFL fantasy and uh, and Supercoach. I think there's only like a hundred points um, within the top ten in Supercoach um, at, at the moment. So in in some of the formats, it's a little tighter. AFL fantasy's got its own unique challenges, Kane. Where if you're a leader in that format, again, rolling lockouts three trades every single week and it's always been harder to make up ground in that format more than others before because of the variables of how many trades in dream team and super coach a coach could have burned through three trades a week in afl fantasy if you've got a pretty if you're in the top couple of dozen your team's pretty much done in terms of premiums now all you're doing is you're just playing the fixture match matchup games yeah, week in so and week out on. and it's and it's Especially, you're just avoiding those heavy taggers. Yeah. You're just avoiding all those heavy taggers. Um, It's tough to chase. As I said, you're trying to avoid those. Sometimes it's a lot easier to avoid the stinker because you know they're playing the ball or you know, you know, maybe Ed Kerner. Yeah. Then actually pluck out these massive scores, if that makes sense. Because, again, Warple was the type of guy this week that everyone thought, oh, get on Warple, get on Warple against the Crows. Yeah. He had some good form. But it actually didn't eventuate. Same as Tim Taranto. It looked like everything was pointing his way against the Blues that he was turning his form around. wasn't to be. Yeah. Whereas you know Patrick Cripps was going to have a hard day. That's going to be a hard day if you've got Matty DeBoer. Yeah. DeBoer wasn't going anywhere else. He was only going to Patrick Cripps. So I think in that format, yes, that's where you really can take the fixture, move out the guys that are you know heavy tag um, players, especially even the key forwards. You know, if you've yeah. got a matchup against Harris Andrews, Weedering. even a Jacob Weedering. Yeah. We saw what, what they did. It's not going to end too well. 
there's not too many of the defensive forwards running around. We <laughs> again, Jake Lloyd just quietly just reeled off his 13th uh, Supercoach ton in a row. Yeah, no one else has that done that this year. No one's done that, and that's um, 13 straight, obviously since the restart as well. So, funnily enough, Lloyd's one sub ton is against the Crows of all teams. Oh, but gosh, who would have thought it's that? such a hard year to chase MJ, and I feel like at this point of the season, a lot of people do turn to legs because, in all honesty the ranking is really hard to change. And a lot of people, you know, as that goal of winning the competition falls further and further away, yeah. people do shift to league. But um, just on a side note is how impressive have the draftees been this year? We thought we had a great crop last year. Phenomenal. Great crop. Um, if you're in a keeper league, I would not be trading away your first pick unless you really think it's going to help you win because we've had six to seven guys off the top of my head that have been plug and play quality on-field scores every week nearly yeah. in their first season yeah again to have a row sarong will day hayden yeah. young in the few Anderson. games he got before he had a syndesmosis yeah like hey if you can get the right one in a keeper league yeah. you can you can rebuild quicker than you can ever rebuild before it's true look historically keeper leagues the in terms of the redrafting of and the draftees the first five to maybe six or seven of the first round, you know, have some high value. And then you're starting to look to the recycled players and the redraft players. Maybe not as much, so, that is for sure. So, MJ, just the last final point sure. on what we were just talking about before, and I don't want to harp on this because sure. it's not important or anything. But the reality is sometimes you're just all out of luck. Yep. You make the right trade, you bring in a Josh Kelly, he absolutely smashes it. Then a big clumsy Ruckman comes and knees him in the head and knocks him out for the rest of the game just after half the time. You know, sometimes you're just all out of luck. You just, your luck's a massive, massive factor now. It's true. Look, yeah, that's a good point, Rins. It takes skill yeah, to get in. And you it. can't let it discourage no. yourself. You know, you can't, you have to, like you said, the logic of that trade, a lot of people did a round 15 player that wasn't going to be available this week Luke to Ryan. help their numbers. Yeah. They bring on a Josh Kelly, and what happens? They have to trade Josh Kelly back out just to get back to the 18 players they were yeah. trying to get to for this round. And it is easy to be discouraged, and I feel like every year we say this at this time, but you have to find the fun. If you just love watching a player Go and you want him. to own them for three weeks, Go who on. cares if it's not even the perfect move? You know, if it means you have to burn your other trades to get them in just yeah, for the true. fun of it, like, don't even don't even worry about it. Like it's just a game we play. We all take it way too seriously at times. <laughs> it all makes us really, really angry at times. But and Kane, as Chris Boner, how many times yeah. have we spoken about this? Where he's a he's as blonde and peroxided as you could possibly <laughs> see. He they try to kick it to him and they miss him by fifteen meters. <laughs> he yep. drops a yep. simple mark. We, we all yep. do it. We all get frustrated as they don't use Absolutely. them. You yell at the TV. You go, what, what's going on here? At the end of the yep. day, just to try and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And again, we do, the reason we do play at the end of the day is when the dust settles and we start building back up for this 2021 season, <laughs> we love the discussion. Again, we don't, especially on the coach panel, we're not about, you know, trumpeting rank, good or bad. Yep. It's actually the discussion is that, for me, easily, the most fascinating part, the strategy. And the Josh Kelly one's a great example because everything about that move was right. The only thing that was wrong, unfortunately, 
as Rid said, was Shane Mumford's knee into Josh Kelly's head yeah. and the score that came from it. But you, you just got to back it in and eventually you'll have a season where luck does roll your way. And maybe yeah. you have a finish overall rank-wise that you're super, super proud of. And, and that's really cool. But again, there's still fun to be had even just in the learnings of that every single year. It's very, very true. Last couple of questions we want to get to from uh, just a couple of our Patreons. Uh, Johnny Coombs, just having a good year in Supercoach too, by the way. Well done to you, Johnny. Asked a question that we've kind of already answered regarding trade targets of Crouch and O'Brien. So we'll pivot away from that one because I felt like we answered that around about half an hour ago. Kyle, Brett wants to know, I'll throw it over to you, Kane. Which of the Bulldog mids would you want to finish the year with in AFL fantasy? Oh, I just have to take McCray. I just think that, again, Bollinger had the one massive game against the Crows and he's been pretty solid otherwise. But if, yeah. if cash isn't an issue, I'm taking McCray. Second is Hunter. Again, yep. Hunter is just made for this format. He's, his role is never a concern. He's got a pure wingman. And he's just having a great year, to be honest. We know that um, he was trying to make amends after he lost the vice-captaincy and he's, he's just having an absolute you know, blinder. You know, it's just a one fifteen type of season in, in mm. years past and he's got a good ceiling. Um, I'd probably put just a rounded out Bonzevelli third and then um, Dunkley, Dunkley fourth just because of this Rock roll. this volatility and roll. It's just, I just don't like it, MJ. No, well, you know, if he picks up Ruck mid status for us next year, maybe we'll like it. But at the moment, yeah, not a, not a huge We've got good of... enough Rucks, MJ. We've got Gorn, Grundy. Are we really going to pick Josh no, Kelly? We, we Josh need Donkley, him to be sorry. forward. That's we want right. him to be a forward. Forward. Get, let's, give, let's get on exactly. the Toronto picking up DPP train. That's exactly where we'd love him to be in 2021. Uh, Reed's last question from our Andy Griff. He wants to know in Supercoach, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he jumped on Big Boy McAvoy at 424K. Had that big 140 score. Uh, and then, well, he didn't have a great week uh, over the past week or two. Does he hold him for this matchup against St Kilda? Or does he look to spend some money and go and get Max Gorn? He's got five trades and 100K in the bank. Does he do it? Or does he maybe look to try to fix up an F6 problem? Okay, the reality of this situation is John Segler has been absolutely awful rucking. So it looks like Ben McAvoy, okay, he's got the big scores when he plays behind the ball or yep. when he's got a full ruck roll. So my thing here is I just think there's enough uncertainty around his role where you just pull the pin and you just grab Gorn now. Right. Yeah, I agree as well on that. I think if you look at that McAvoy score as well, MJ, he was intercepting everything early, contested marks, yeah. intercept marks, all this sort of stuff. Um, and that, you know, it was a 70-point, you know, individual quarter. That's why he was scoring um, so yeah. much. So, as Rid said, it's not even that rucking is so much helping him. It's just yeah. that when he's on and it's coming in, he's having, you know, these great scoring patches. St Kilda's got a pretty handy forward line, though. You know, who does he take? Does he take Max King? You know, mm. you know Rowan Marshall and Paddy Ryder are going to switch off down there. Yeah. I don't see it as a great matchup where, you know, the ball's, bombed in you know i just don't i just don't see mcavoy feasting you know in the air like that they're pretty competent in the air and st kilda love you know using their pace richmond style and counter-attacking and yeah i just don't see them blazing away so if you have a chance to get gone especially from a player like big boy yeah yeah i, I wouldn't even care who my f6 was i just think that <laughs> you're gonna make up so much points on that move alone so true man yeah it's really true and let's be honest there's some decent cows 
that can do okay. Maybe you've got a Riccardi. Maybe you've got a Buderick um, that, that can float you anywhere. From and also, MJ, you're in a best 18 anyway, so does it yeah. even matter? You know, you want the ceiling. Totally. Yeah, ceiling counts next week in Supercoach. That's very, very true. Hey, lads, appreciate your thoughts. I know round 15 is just hours away from finishing. Then we've got about 24 hours. It's actually about 20 between lockout lifting and lockout reclamping down. Uh, for those of you in AFL fantasy, your Tigers and your Magpies, they will be locked at the commencement of the round. And if they've played in this round, round 15, you will be awarded their scores and the subsequent Cry, uh, cash impacts based off their break-evens. While for Dream Team and Supercoach, those players will be left available for you to trade, to move, to captain, to emergency, to loophole, to do whatever your heart desires up until the final game of round 16, and then they will be locked. And any players that they've been linked to to get loopholes or, or emergencies, then those will commence. We certainly hope for you that round 15 has been kind and that round 16 is even better for you. Uh, Rids, as always, a pleasure, mate. Nice to have you on. And I hope you have a great last three weeks, not just in Dream Team, but in all the formats, mate. Hey, just a quick one as well. I just want to shout out to Fox. Oh, yes. Fox is having an absolute personal best year. So massive, massive best year for anyone. It's one of the greatest seasons you can have. He's just flying across the board. Yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. He's just unfortunate he's run into myself at this point in time this year. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Try to enjoy it. I know it's hard, but but try to enjoy it. He is absolutely smashing it out of the park, Fox. Yeah, look, if we were given an award for someone dominating three formats, he's the one that's going to get it. That is for sure. He's been brilliant. As of your work uh, yet again on this episode, Kane, thank you very much. No worries, MJ. Thank you. If you want to go and check out uh, this episode back again, because why not? Or any of the other episodes we've done, you can check it out via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the Google Podcast. You can go and check it out through there. We'll still keep dropping articles for you at coachespanel.tv right throughout random periods of the round. And if you're loving the work from the Coaches Panel in 2020, and looking forward to what you might get during the trade and draft period, let alone for 2021, there's exclusive content landing for you. Uh, all you can do if you want to join our Patreon army, there is a tier that is right for you. All the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. Hope your week's going well, and we look forward to chatting to you again very, very soon. Yeah.